Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Coming up this week, one massive interview with two of the people instrumental to the 2023 Eurovision Song Contest. Let's get to it. It's time for the Eurotrip. As you know, Lassandra always said, take it away. For me, Eurovision is much more than just a job, but it's part of me. Giannis, let me say, we were your first ever Eurovision interview way back in January. <laughs> I remember! <laughs> so Gisli Baltarsson, Iceland's commentator, welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much and thank you for the Eurotrip, I've been listening to you. Being face to face, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, your beautiful face. <laughs> I was like, But it is cute. beautiful as well though. We were talking on the phone. Yes. Do you want to have a hug? Yes, please. Yeah, that would be great. Cornelia Jacobs, congratulations. Thank you. Give me a hug. Hi there. My name is Martin Estadal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, one huge interview we catch up with the head of show at Eurovision 2023, Lee Smithurst, and the lead creative director for Eurovision 2023, Dan Shipton. Believe it or not, this is the 100th weekly episode of the Eurotrip. So we just had to do something special. We put all of the other stuff to one side to bring you this huge exclusive interview that you won't hear anywhere else. There is so much to come in what you are going to hear, but we are going to deep dive into everything that you are going to see on the Eurovision stage in just a few weeks' time, James. Just a few weeks' time. Just over three weeks to go until the Eurovision Grand Final. 
Yeah, not long to go at all. Um, recently, we found out who all of the semi-final interval acts are going to be, the opening act, who's going to be performing alongside the 26 artists in the grand final as well. So we're going to be finding out from Lee and Dan where these ideas came from, how they managed to make them all happen, and how the theme this year of United by Music runs through all of the three live shows. That includes as well the hosts. We'll talk about the hosts. We will find out or at least we'll try to find out where exactly Graham Norton will be commentating from during the grand final so that he can get from his commentary box onto the stage and back again in time. Honestly, this is a treat. It's a chunky one this week's episode, but make time, make sure that you can take it all in because you're going to want to, and also make sure that you share your thoughts with us once you've heard everything that you're going to hear on this episode because, wowee, there's a lot to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So then, James, happy 100th weekly episode of the Eurotrip. Can you believe it? Ever since August the 5th, 2020, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure it was August the 5th. Yeah, we've brought you 100 of these regular weekly episodes. It's pretty mad. It is pretty mad. Are you a member of the 100 Club? Have you been here for every single episode to date, every single weekly episode? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you if you've been here for the last 100 episodes, or should that be the last 99 episodes? Or should it be the last 185 episodes? Because technically, this is actually episode 186. Don't ask why we number some of them and don't number some of them, because quite frankly, we don't know. But if this episode one for you, episode 100 or episode 186, thank you so much for tuning in. Absolutely. The fact you're here is more than enough for us. And there's a good reason that you're here this week, I imagine, because we are bringing you an exclusive interview with two people that you have not heard anywhere else and two people who are instrumental to the organisation of Eurovision 2023. So Lee Smithurst, he's been a regular here on the Eurotrip podcast in the past, previously assistant head of delegation for the United Kingdom at the Eurovision Song Contest for the last few years. He is head of show for Eurovision this year. And also Dan Shipton as well, part of the UK delegation for the last few years, behind that incredible stage performance for Sam Ryder in Turin last year, where he is now the lead creative director for Eurovision 2023. So he'll be giving us all of the insight we need to know on the look and the feel of the performances that we're going to see on that stage in Liverpool in, we've already said, just a few weeks' time. Yeah, we're going to find out so much from the pair, whether you want to know when they first got together to try and brainstorm some ideas, or if you want to know a bit more about how their jobs actually look, what they're actually going to be getting up to, or maybe you want to know how Graham Norton is going to balance presenting the show and commentating the show. They're going to give us a little bit of an insight into that as well. And there is something that comes up in this interview. You'll know it when it happens, but there's a big change happening at Eurovision in 2023. But we don't know what it is yet. But we will talk about it during this interview. You'll hear Lee and Dan mention it. So, yeah, if that doesn't get your juices flowing for what's to come, then I don't know what else will. Yeah, we keep saying they're going to tell us absolutely everything. They're going to be talking about some of their colleagues as well. So let me just fill you in on who they're going to be chatting about when you hear some of these names. So you'll hear about someone called German Nenov. 
That is the Ukrainian creative director, so working alongside Dan Shipton uh, here from the UK. You'll also hear about Oksana Skibinska, she's the Ukrainian head of delegation and leading the team from UAPBC. Andrew Cartmel, you've heard him on the podcast before, he is the executive producer of Eurovision this year. Kojo Samuel, they are the music director for Eurovision 2023. And as well, you'll hear about Maria. That is Maria Yuremchuk. She represented Ukraine in 2014 and is going to be part of one of the semi-final two interval acts. Great job there on the register. Thank you very much for uh, for going through all of that, Mr. Rowe. And we should say as well, <laughs> just before we get into this interview, there is plenty for you to enjoy elsewhere as well. We've got some brilliant video highlights of the interview. You can find them across our social channels, including, James, some TikTok exclusives. Yeah, absolutely. At Eurotrip Podcast on TikTok for some of those exclusive behind the scenes videos and as well at Eurotrip Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for loads of other stuff from this interview and as well EurotripPodcast.com to read more in depth about some of the exclusive stories you're going to uncover from listening to this chat. We would love for you to get in touch. Let us know what you think of this interview. Get in touch with us across all of the social channels that James has just mentioned. Make sure you share it with other people as well, because I think everyone is going to want to hear what Lee and Dan have got to say. James, shall we do it? Let's get to it, Rob. Here's what happened when I caught up with Lee Smithurst and Dan Shipton earlier on this week. When you aren't listening, find us on social media. At Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So Lee and Dan, welcome back to the Eurotrip. Great to be back. Thanks for having us again. It is incredible to have you on the podcast because you are, I was going to say, the two busiest people currently working on this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Not technically true because there is a whole team of people as busy as, as you both are, I imagine. But we are now... At the time that we're talking, I don't want to scare you too much, what, three weeks away from uh, the Eurovision Song Contest? Three weeks on Saturday is bad. Are you both feeling okay about that? Yeah, do you know what? We've been planning it for so long. I think, when did we first meet up to talk about September time, maybe? Yeah. Well, we met up in September. We met at your offices. And I think all our good ideas came from one afternoon where we... We got really drunk on Rosé wine. <laughs> yeah, we just... And that's the best way to get the crazy juices flowing. I think a lot of the ideas that are in the shows came from that there, yeah. afternoon, and it was just me and Dan, and we just... I think because it was so early on, there was no pressure at that point to get any of the ideas, but then they just... We just had a good afternoon. It's mad that it's, it's now here, though, because we obviously start camera rehearsals or on camera looking at stuff at the end of this week, and it's like, wow, okay, it's really happening now. Um, and we've been doing dance rehearsals in London so far, seeing all of that come to life, it's actually quite emotional because it's been in our heads for so long. At the time that we're talking, obviously this week and at the very end of last week, we found out who's going to be in the shows, what's going to be in the shows. Obviously, before we talk about all of that, how exciting is it for you to have seen the reaction to your news and the secrets that you've obviously had to keep to yourselves for for so long now? It's nice to actually be able to say it. Yeah. we, we spend so much time together that we can obviously talk about all the crazies, but you forget when you leave the office that 
a lot of people don't know. Even if we were, like, if me and Dan travel on a tube back from the office, you can't talk about it because you forget actually sometimes that people don't know any of the things that any of the artists that we've been discussing. So it's nice that it's finally out there so we don't have to keep all that. But obviously what, what those artists are doing isn't out there. So we're still having to keep a lot of secrets. And I have to keep reminding myself of that because I keep thinking, oh yeah, I can say who is doing it, but you're not, you don't know what, what they're, they're doing, doing. And it's so exciting. That's the best bit. We'll get into the details, we'll get into the shows, we'll get into the performers a little bit later on. But I thought it'd be good early on in the interview to really kind of hone down into what both of you are up to, what your jobs are, what your roles and your responsibilities are for the contest this year. So, Lee, I think I'm right in saying you are head of show. Correct. John knows I actually hate saying (laughs) in any meeting, but um, I'm I'm trying to embrace head of show as a title. It's an amazing title, but it also makes me cringe when I have to say it out loud. (laughs) So what is head of show, Lee? Talk to us. So head of show means uh, I'm across all the creatives of uh, all the intervals and openers which Dan and I have been working on together since um, probably sort of autumn uh, last year and then I'm also across the other elements of the show which are the live elements so presenters, scripts, uh, graphics which is one of my favourite, all the stuff before the songs and how it appears in and out of the postcards um, the music for the shows, the, not just the music in the interval acts, but obviously the theme music and all those things. So it's it's the overall live shows. And we should mention as well that Andrew sits across all the shows as, as well. He isn't across necessarily the shows and the openers in the way of the creative, but Andrew does a lot of the same things. So the presenters and the, you know, all those lines and, and the VTs and the films, which Andrew's across. And actually, I think we've probably got a smaller team than a lot of people would imagine, especially on our shows and openers team. There's me and Dan, Tom, our producer, and Rosie and Anna, our APs on the editorial, and that's that's okay. it. There's there's five of us, which is nice because we're a small team, a busy team, but it's not like a huge team where there's a lot of voices all the time. We're all travelling in the same direction and on the live team there's three people on the live team and then there'll be some more producers that come on for the shows in the arena to look after the talent and produce them but yeah so it's sort of overall really on the the shows and what what's in them and lee i saw an incredible thing that you put on your socials a few weeks ago i think it was at the start of the month you posted was it your first script when you worked in tv your first ever tv script and who did you have a message from on the script it was from imani on the back so did you see this? <clears throat> so my first Saturday runner job was on like those national lottery shows that they used yeah. to have on Saturday night and they used to preview the Eurovision entries. And I got one of my first telly scripts and it was 25 years ago and on the back of it, signed by Imani. I'd obviously uh-huh. told her at the time I was a massive Eurovision fan and she said to Lee, enjoy the Eurovision Imani. Uh-huh. And I pulled it out and it was one of those moments where you go, God, that's so like a full circle moment of seeing that script and thinking, I remember turning up. I was like so young, I didn't, you know when you dare not speak to anyone because they're talent, and I remember just thinking, come in this room and Terry Wogan's here, and you know, Imani who wasn't That's even special. known at the time, but you think, no, it's amazing to look back, and it was like 25 years ago, you think, God, I would probably never have imagined that I'd be actually making it now. Yeah, those full circle moments are incredible. And I suppose it'll only be after the contest that you actually get to kind of pinch yourself and think, I did that. That's the thing that I I did and, you know, look back on it so proudly. Dan, lead creative director. That's correct. Yeah. Love it. 
He does like saying that, by the way. I, I'm happy to say that. I'm very proud of it. No, I, you know, if, if it's, um, yeah, so I'm uh, working um, with Lee on the shows um, and essentially, yeah, coming up with the creative direction for all of the different um, interval and um, the opening acts, which is really, really exciting. And it feels like, um, I don't know, the prize that we both won for you know, bringing Sam to the world and here we are, you know, it's like, it feels like a really nice step. It's, it's a very different proposition to doing the competition and, and what we do in those three minutes and the craziness that you do when you're part of a delegation. Um, and um, yeah, it's exciting to be doing it on the other side for a change. What is that? Well, what is that difference is a massive question. And we'd be here for about three weeks, I think, if you were to answer that and Eurovision would have finished already. But what is the difference in terms of the creative process for the both of you? Are you afforded more time than you would be if you were in your previous roles in a delegation working kind of on a well, on I an think, act and on an I entry? think the, the biggest difference is that the... The, the thing that kickstarts it because normally when you're on a delegate with a delegation you're given the song and the song is the inspiration for the entire thing whereas we were given a complete blank sheet of paper essentially and we know that all we knew is that we were going to have you know two interval acts per show some op show openers and we it, it was kind of like where do you start what do you want to say to the world essentially and what do you want to leave as a you know, your calling card of your legacy. And and we dreamed of this moment, Lee and I, for a very long time. I mean, you know, probably when I was a kid as well, you know. Um, and you think, well, what would you do? And so that's where we started. And we want to, you know, you want there's all sorts of things that go through your head. You want to best represent the show. You want to do your country proud. You want to do um, us proud, Liverpool proud. There's so many different elements that you, but then you also want to be, you know, saying to the world, well, you know, what is Eurovision now? What is, what What does Liverpool need to leave behind? What do they need to say as a city? What do we need to be saying as a community? What do, you know, what, what, what is this? And it, it's a really exciting, but sometimes quite hard proposition because you're like, gosh, there's so much that you could do. And actually you have to kind of, there's a lot of ideas on the table and eventually you have to kind of say, right, these are the ones that we're going to focus on. And, and then obviously, there are lots of people that then have opinions on that as well, you know, from different levels of God, everyone up to government level in a way. So you're always going to, you know, and I also the biggest one within that, um, which I kind of left last is that you want to best represent Ukraine. That's the thing as well. You know, it is their show and we are only hosting it for them. Um, and so as the creative director and not being a Ukrainian, having um, Herman, who is the Ukrainian creative director, come on board as well and start to shape some of those ideas and make sure that we're best representing their country as well. That's also been a really interesting and exciting challenge because we are constantly challenging each other in the best way to better those ideas uh, for all the right reasons. I think what's been really nice as well is the reception of how much balance there is of British artists or content and Ukrainian content in the shows because exactly. that was one unknown thing for us when we both started the journey. It's like, how much do we do? Because you, you, in a sense, there's never really a right answer or you can never please everyone. There will always be people that want more of this and less of this. But um, I feel like the reception has been so good and we've been so conscious of working with Herman and, and the team at UAPBC of 
what is the balance and what feels right. And we were always conscious of, you know, including them. And we have weekly calls with them about the content. And they're excited about the British content as we're excited about the Ukrainian content. So it was never all, it has to all be Ukraine or it's in Liverpool. So we have to have, you know, it was never that. It was always coming from a place of, this is an idea we've had for some British artists. And then the Ukrainians would love that or they'd love the idea of like, we'll get to it later, but the Liverpool songbook of celebrating songs of Liverpool, because those songs are known worldwide. So it's still an exciting thing to have with Eurovision, former Eurovision artists. And knowing that obviously the you know, United by Music theme, that is the perfect thing because it, it is literally two nations united and that kind of weaving of our cultures is what's going to make this show really, really special. When it comes to the the Ukrainian elements of the show, whether it be the artists that are performing or the other aspects of, of the shows that we're going to see that celebrate Ukrainian Ukrainian culture, how much of it is, you mentioned there, the team at UAPBC saying, here are some ideas we've had that we'd like to put across during the shows, or how much of it is, you know, you guys going to them with, here's an idea, what do you think? Or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both, actually, yeah, isn't it? it? We've made sure that, obviously, um, we've tried to separate it out, that there is definitely, um, you know, an interval act, which is specifically, um, you know, Ukrainian-driven, and then there's another one which is UK-driven in each show, so that it feels very much like that. But actually, what's happened with that is it's not as clear-cut as saying, oh, they've come up with an idea or we've come up with an idea, because actually we're in constantly inspiring each other um, and even, you know, with Herman, that is a really fluid and brilliant working dynamic there. So whilst that they, that, you know, he's come to the table and said, I'd love to do this, then it's really nice because we can say, oh, well, actually, what about this? And have you thought about this? And and he does exactly the same to us on our work. So it continually flows. And I think it, it betters the, all of the ideas because we're constantly, you know, working together to, to, to achieve them. There's a good example of how that works with... Um... Lucas McFarlane, who's the choreographer across all the interval acts, um, the the interval act that's in semi-final two, we were talking about possibly would it be choreographed in Ukraine because the dancers that are dancing that are part of our house dancers that are, are on every act, um, whether we choreograph that in Ukraine or whether we choreograph it here. And Lucas studied lots of videos of Ukrainian choreography and movement um, and we sent a video to Herman a couple of weeks ago and he was so excited about what Lucas had done. So it's a perfect example of how it works where, yes, it's Ukrainian, uh, it was their creative, but we can still take parts of it here and, and still create with them and take their notes on board. So it's a really interesting way of, of working. And it's never been a difficult relationship or we both want to achieve the same thing, which is make, it's a unique Eurovision and there probably hopefully won't be another one like it but it's a great proposition that we have it's never been a hindrance that you it, it's a joy in fact that you get two creative companies together trying to make a show i feel like it's only right that we go back to that very first rose fueled meeting <laughs> in your office dan but dan had to leave early because I his eyes were really so, so drunk um... <laughs> let's, let's go back there then. Let's start there. It's the only place to start. You said you start with a blank sheet of paper. What what kicks off a meeting like that? Do you both appear with 
I was about to say a ring binder, but it's not the 1990s. Presume laptops with Google Docs and that sort of thing <laughs> with ideas. And you both discuss your own individual ideas or how do you spark and start the creative for something as big as Eurovision? What did we do? Did we have a whiteboard on that first we day? Did. We, we just yeah, we did. things down think, what we wanted to do. Yeah. And also, you know, what's been done before? What do we, I, I think for us as well, what do we, we were, um, you know, we all, we know, we know very much what we, how we work together on, the three minute shows as in like you know what you're going to do for the delegation but when it's something like this what 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 inspired us what do you love what have you what 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 interval acts have we watched before that we absolutely love what do we not like what does does work is there anything that you know all of those things and then start to think about themes and start to think about you know um what things that have, you know, have left a lasting impression on us, I guess, in the past, and how the, that might translate into what we might want to create. So it was kind of like general, like, start talking about lots of big things. And then, um, yeah, and then we went for lunch, and then we had a rosé, and then suddenly all the ideas started coming, and we're now making them. You're both very well-known figures within the the Eurovision fan community you are both fans of the contest yourselves but I'm wondering were there parts of the show that were influenced by I don't know some of the discussion that you've you've heard from from fans how much did did fan love for the contest come into this okay well there is actually a performance which is all about the fans that's that's what so we are doing a we wanted to how did we best represent this amazing community that we're all a part of and we you know, essentially, be who you want to be, which is in semi-final two, is all is it is a an ode and an homage to the community, which we feel the message that that is so beautiful because ultimately, Eurovision is a place where everyone can find a home, no matter who you are, um, and no matter where you're from, and that's just such a beautiful thing. And we wanted to, you know, best gather that when you think about like amazing yeah uh interlacts that have gone before like love love peace peace for example that's obviously about the kind of story the process of how you make a, a performance for us we were like well what's what would be our love love peace peace and actually our love love peace peace is about the fans and it's about the community and it's about how we all come together and we're all mad and crazy but it's just an incredible moment so what better thing to do than from that with three amazing drag queens and celebrate our amazing community and that's what be who you be who you want to be is saying to the world that be who you want to be come here and be who you want to be at Eurovision and that's really special. Let's get into the the nuts and bolts of the shows then because we, we've spoken about kind of the the you know the idea generation process but let, let's talk about what people are actually going to see on that stage. Lee, obviously, we have to talk about the hosts because the hosts are four people that we heard uh, would be presenting the contest. I'm trying to remember what it was now. Was it back in February we found out the hosts? Yeah, it was February. Yeah. Which, again, for you is is probably about, feels like it was about four Eurovisions ago. <laughs> but talk, talk to us about the cast then, the cast of hosts that we've got. We've got Julia Sanina, Alicia Dixon, Hannah, Hannah Waddingham, and then Graham Norton joining for the for the grand final. What was it about them that you and the rest of the team behind that decision made those choices kind of the right ones for this contest? I guess at the beginning, there were lots of choices on the table in terms of presenters and who was going to be uh, picked. Obviously, lots of different BBC names as well that uh, are used to being seen on the channel, especially for entertainment shows. But I think 
As Dan said earlier, when you get united by music, it becomes a good thing to relate everything back into and does this, not that everything has to relate back to the, the slogan, but it's a good place as, is this saying what we're trying to say in the whole shows? And then it became apparent when you start moving people around with Alicia, Hannah and Julia, that one thing they all had in common was music. And it sort of made sense right from the off when you put them together. And they're so different in character as well, which is a nice thing because especially when, uh, the scripts are being written, you can play to all their strengths because of they don't have the same personality in the best possible way. So they're three women who are united by music because that is, you know, Hannah's West End and Julia's does the rock music. And obviously we know Alicia from Mystique and all the things she's done since. So it, it's a great mix of people. So they just made sense as a lineup. And I don't think you could have any Eurovision in the UK without Graham fronting it. So Graham obviously will do sort of the Terry Wogan style. He will come on at the beginning and end of the shows and then he'll do commentary for the, for the UK. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Graham obviously is there, as you said, for the grand final. How was that kind of decision? And was that discussion with Graham himself about, you know, actually... Hannah and Alicia and Julie are going to do the semi-finals, and then we'll get you you there joining them for the final. What was that discussion? Yeah, I think for Graham, like he obviously puts a lot of preparation into the the commentary that he does. He watches all the rehearsals, and I think probably difficult for Graham to be in all the shows and also try and commentate on the songs because that's quite a lot of preparation yeah. for someone to do in a week. And you don't want someone to burn out, I think, either. So I think that was always a discussion right from the beginning with Graham about being in the final and not the, the semi-finals. And this is very nerdy logistics, but I know people listening to this will want to know, where will Graham be commentating on the grand final from to make sure that he can get to the stage and, and back again? <laughs> You'll have to wait and see, because <laughs> it actually might change when you can't get there yeah, in time. Exactly. But no, there is a there is a place for him to be. Uh, don't worry, he will get there. He's got to get his running shoes on. Nice. Un- under? Behind? Above? I can't tell you yet. <laughs> okay, fine. I thought I have. I thought I'd ask the question anyway. Obviously, we know that that Julia is also going to be performing. We know she's going to be opening that that first semi final. It's going to be a hugely important moment arguably one of the most important moments of the whole three shows because it's going to be one of the first things that we actually see on the tv when eurovision kicks off in liverpool so how important was that to get that decision right and how easy was it for you to make the decision that that was what you wanted to do that was what you wanted people to see for the very first time that's the first thing they're going to see on the stage in liverpool 
I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. We that that first opening number is actually called "United by Music." Surprise, surprise. But we needed and wanted to best represent our theme, and and so actually, it is Julia performing. But there is also a very there is other elements in that performance that best represent Liverpool, best represent um, British music, and. Um, best represent the coming together of both our cultures. And so for us, it was how do we set that all up um, in, you know, a two and a half minute opening that also flows on from the introduction film, which is, you know, which will be the actual first thing that everyone sees after to diem um, and make that whole package really tell the story of we are Ukraine and the UK are united by music. Liverpool is welcoming um, Ukraine to it to its home for the, the week essentially um, and um, we also have this kick-ass host um, who is also the most amazing singer fronting the most coolest rock band and let's absolutely kick it off with a bang and so it was kind of a no-brainer but it, it was probably though the creative that changed the most yes it did of all of yeah. them because it never was quite right everything that we had it, it would stay there for a couple of weeks and it just never felt right either the music wasn't right or so it did go through a lot of different amalgamations until it came to this point where the, the british song wasn't right that it opens with and it was all like what is what do we want to say and it was never quite right until we've got the the song that we've got now that i won't spoil for you but um if you listen to the lyrics of the song, it just makes so much sense for the way that Eurovision was set up and what it was created for, which was to bring uh, Europe together after World War II, and also why we are hosting this contest on behalf of Ukraine. The lyrics just make sense about being together and being there for someone. So it's actually quite poignant when you... We saw it, uh, the rehearsal of it, the other day and it's it, when it, you see it all come together it's just a nice moment mm -hmm. and as Dan says it goes from sort of this poignant setup to then okay let's turn everything on now and it's yeah. a big old rock moment to, to open and introduce Julia as well to the international audience so we know right from the beginning she's a performer. While we're talking about Julia Rafila, I'm just going to go back one step because people won't forgive me if I don't ask the question when did the hosts know they were going to be hosting the Eurovision Song Contest? Probably the end of maybe the end of the year or beginning of beginning of this year. I can't remember exactly when they when they found out. And and in terms of getting the balance as well from the hosts that you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Hannah, Julia, and, and Alicia all united by music, as is as is the the slogan and the theme of this year's contest. Was it a case that if kind of one had said no, that then changes your consideration for the rest of the lineup because you've got to get the balance right? If that makes sense, I guess so. Yeah, they all said yes. yes. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, so they were they were the first choice. First people you went to, they all said yes. Tick that box, done. Yeah, hundred percent. We've mentioned the the opening of semi one with with Julia. We have to talk about obviously the, the intervals that we're going to see in the first semi final. Rita Aurora. So when it comes to picking a, a big name artist to perform, was that was it always the case that you wanted a big name artist from the UK to perform in that first semi-final, to perform in a slot in that show? We wanted to that this this show for us is setting out our stall and and saying, right, this is Eurovision today, what it is now, and um we wanted to therefore um, have a, a, a big UK artist that 
best represented someone that is very current and um, is going to make a moment, essentially. And when we talked to Rita about what she we wanted to do and how how big a moment it could be and, and what we could create, we wanted to do something very special. And um, that performance is going to be very special, I think. I think, again, because we are in a, an amazing setting with an amazing amount of dancers, um, with a, an artist that has an amazing back catalogue and also a song which will be premiered on the night, a new song that is absolutely amazing um, and does also represent the idea of United by Music. It's very, it's incredible because obviously it's united with another British artist. Yeah. Well, which, well, we can't tell you, is that, can we say that? I, I don't think we know. Can. Okay, I, think I don't know. know. I don't know, because I know we probably shouldn't say that. Oh, we shouldn't. Um, <laughs> So just to confirm the thing that you can't say, <laughs> so we can write up the thing that you can't say, Rita Ora will be singing with another major British artist. No, 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 but the song is a mashup with a, a major British artist. I do actually think that that's been announced, but is it? let's not say it just in case it hasn't. We were talking about full circle moments at the start of the interview, Lee. We were talking about your own Eurovision full circle moment. Rita's got her own Eurovision kind of full circle moment as well, obviously, because uh, she was one of the names in the frame, I think, wasn't she? When we ended up with uh, Eurovision 2009, obviously we ended up with Jade, but she was going to be part of the show, I think, back then. She was. She was. I did that year. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Did all the Rita auditions. <laughs> she was brilliant. But um, I think at the time, and it was obviously the right decision, she'd been just offered, I think, I think she, I can't remember how old she was, maybe 17, um, that she uh, had been offered a major record deal but you know at the time sometimes where artists it happens all the time where you do auditions you find someone great and then you know someone rings up and goes oh they've been offered a major record deal so then they're not going to sign on the dotted line and you go yeah right and then and actually yeah. true. then it's true so yeah it was definitely the right decision I don't know quite how we're going to fit everything in that I want to talk to you about between now and when we have to stop talking but I'm gonna try sticking with semi-final one a huge amount of excitement about uh, Rebecca Ferguson taking to the Eurovision stage, of course, alongside Ali Osher as well, who people may remember from Eurovision, I think it was 2010, representing Ukraine back then. Lee, I know you were replying to someone on social and you said, wait until you see the creative. Well, the man doing said creative is also on this uh, on this interview. So, Dan, the Rebecca Ferguson, Ali Osher creative, what can you talk to us about? What can you tell us? It's going to be truly emotional and say a lot um we've been working with um, a ukrainian company called freckled sky who've been developing the idea with herman um and us um and we are um through amazing video technology t telling um aliosha's true story of her leaving ukraine and um finding like many others um homes um, across different lands and um, it feels like such a vital and important story to be telling and it's very emotional and um, for us to be giving that such an amazing kind of position and treatment and then matching that with these two singers that again UK and Ukraine but singing together on this beautiful song it and and also you know there are moments within the song where someone singing in English and someone singing in Ukraine. And 
it's it's just beautiful and I, I really don't think there's gonna be a dryer in the house to be honest. It's it's gonna be a very special moment. And again, if we're looking at things that leave a message or a legacy behind, it's a very important story to be telling. Um and I think even though we are telling Aliosha's story, it is also a story that um is true for anybody any you know, any situation, anyone that's gone through a moment of adversity and you know, it, it can, can it works across so many you know different um, walks of life that um, it feels beautiful. And if you've not seen any of Freckle Sky stuff, you can find it. Um, they've got a website and everything online. You'll get an idea of the stuff that they create. It's really the way that they use sort of technology and multimedia to create or just evoke emotion through their graphics and performances was what attracted us to them. To working with them in the first place when you see what they can do and they're you know we've uh, they're rehearsing it in ukraine and they send footage back to us of their rehearsals and it's just amazing even now when you're just watching on a wide shot of what they're doing without any sort of direction it's even that makes you feel something so it's just going to be amazing when we can get into the arena and do that so let's move on to semi-final two then. We've already spoken about one of the intervals, which is Be Who You Want To Be, which sounds incredible. Let's talk about the other interval that we're going to see, a trio of Ukrainian artists all taken to the stage for that one. Yeah, this is going to be really, uh, really, really great. Um, music unites generations. This idea that Ukrainian music, obviously, there's so much depth there and, and so much history. And how do we you know, tell that and bring it to life and... Um, you know, so that that's where um, Herman started when he when he was coming up with this this idea. Um, and so yeah, we use Maria to kind of travel through four different scenes that um, start way back when um, and bring us up to um, the modern day. And also thinking about what the the youth of Ukraine and the future of uh, of that and what music might do for them. But ultimately. All of that is reimagined and repackaged in a very cool kind of a modern musical style as well, and it's and it's really really well done. We 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 you know heard and seen a lot of the um, that we've seen the rehearsals, and obviously we've heard music, and it's really really exciting. So it's going to be a really special one, and it's lovely that we've got Maria and we've got Zlata and we've got Otoy coming to join us as well, and it's going to be great actually. Yeah, it's a really nice one, and I think it's nice. The whole piece is obviously Ukrainian music, which see is so nice in uh, in contrast to the Be Who You Want to Be, which are not necessarily British. Uh, I think a lot of them are British, so but um, the tracks that we use in that is a big sort of pop number. So it's nice in contrast to have the other interval act that is all Ukrainian music, and some of them are as Dan says, there's classical compositions that have been brought up to modern day, and they've got Otoy the rapper on some of these. So it's really interesting what they've done and I think anyone who's watched Ukraine at Eurovision for the last couple of years they're always sort of pushing the boundaries of creativity and always out there and feel different to this is exactly what this piece feels like it's completely different to anything else in the shows with the time we have left only feels right to move on to the grand final of Eurovision 2023 we have to start with the opener for the final of course our winners return Kalush Orchestra return They'll be performing their winner, but I think they'll also be doing plenty of other incredible stuff to open that show. Yeah, with this one, we've called this um, Kalush Orchestra Voices of a New Generation. Um, for me, when I was thinking about how we best represent them, um, yes, they're coming back, of course, to sing the, you know, Stefania. 
But ultimately, what we want to say to the world is that they have gone out and they have taken the voice of Ukraine around the world. And also, um, they are representing this new generation of, of voices. And that that youth element is really important when you think about the future of Ukraine and the future of, of the country. So that is like quite an, like a big statement. Um, and so, yes, we have um, an amazing performance Obviously, doing Stefania, some other, uh, um, their new song as well is going to be in there as, as well. But ultimately, they are joined on stage by this kind of huge contingent of Ukrainian youth. And that feels really, really important when we're, you know, at one moment, um, it's put it this way, it's not going to just be Kalush singing that song. And that's a powerful statement um, to open Eurovision with. And I think um, it says exactly what it what it needs to do. We are here. They are here. They are, um, you know, taking that that voice out to the world. And um, it's an important statement to be making. I think we like the tradition as well of opening Eurovision with last year's winners, which just disappeared for the last couple of years and they've become interblasts for no reason. But I think it's just always nice that you start this year's Eurovision with remembering why you're there and who the winner was. It's I think it's nice to open the show with last year's winners. And it's nice to be doing a, a, like a reworked version of that song. Yeah. So it's not, and again, you know, they've all only ever performed it with six, well, obviously at Eurovision with six people on the stage we can have as many as you want. So we have got a lot of people and it's going to be pretty amazing. It's got me thinking of, I don't know if either of you remember this, but I remember the, I think it was the opening of the first semi-final in uh, Malmo in Sweden in 2013. And Lorene comes on stage with a whole plethora of kind of children singing with her. That was one of my, I think, favourite openers of all time when it comes to a Eurovision show. So sounds like I'm going to be a big fan. The word youth, I think, is really important because we, we again, we talked about having children, but actually it's not necessarily about that. It's about, you know, kind of 16 to 21 year olds, that bit of youth actually that, you know, this new generation of kind of people that do want to use their voices. They can they can vote. They can take their social thoughts out to the world. It's it, it's quite an exciting um, launch pad. And again, this is nerdy, but what is the first thing people are going to see? So people, we get Detem, and then what happens? Because previous shows, you know, we get VTs, we go straight to the stage sometimes. What What's happening? There's a big, uh, obviously, opening film before we get to Kalusha's performance, which they are also in. So I won't say too much about it, but uh, as with everything in the shows, it's a, ma- it's a sort of amalgamation of Ukraine and UK working together. So it sets up the grand final and how we got to this point and obviously Kalusha the reason why we're all here so it's a, yeah, it's a big opening film as you would expect to open the grand final. Now if I know the pair of you like I think I know you I imagine one of the funnest things that you have been working on has been the flag parade would that be correct? The flag parade <laughs> is absolutely amazing. The flag parade is amazing when we first heard like the edit of the music together with the countries in like, I think I remember I would send you a WhatsApp going, oh my God, this, this is a amazing. flag parade. It's been so hard to actually pick the songs for the flag parade because obviously I know in the press release today it's, it said that the Ukrainian artists are doing sort of a rework in of their song with a sort of slight hint of a British anthem in there, which will make more sense when you see the flag parade. I won't give much away, but picking the British songs is obviously so difficult because we could pick anything. And it's just trying to find the songs that work 
also with Goe and Tina Carroll and Jamala, it's like what song feels like is going to work with their Eurovision entry. So it was like an amazing process when you get to the point and then it's all worked together. It's amazing. It's really, really good. It's probably going to be like the way to open the show, like not only are you getting the artists walking out, which is amazing, all the 26 finalists, but they're coming out to big British anthems and then you get to see the artists from Ukraine and the Me as a Eurovision fan is like already yeah. within the first like 10 minutes you're gifted with not only Kalush but then these four amazing Ukrainian artists and these songs that everyone will recognise because they're British songs but they're huge universal uh, hits so everyone will know them and the artists getting to walk out to these songs is and, and this, you know the theme of again united by music but the idea that we are taking a british hit and then we are also putting um the ukrainian music and mashing them together it literally says you know well musically says exactly what we're doing as a show ukraine and the uk colliding and mashing together and make working together to create something even better and the, the British songs that you've chosen, I know you're not going to tell me which songs you've chosen, but presumably are they across kind of a broad spectrum of, of genres and eras as well? They're definitely a cross section of uh, genres and eras. They're totally different. They're totally different songs. Yeah. I won't you say would not, about you would, if anyone could guess what song is mashed up with, with Verka. Tina, oh, Tina oh, Carroll. Oh my God. It's amazing. But Verka's is like a total surprise. Like, yeah, you would never guess We'd it. actually had stuff on paper for Verka about, because Kojo, our musical director, is really clever with music and hears things that would mash up. And I think he put them on a list of what could work. And then Verka came back with this idea of what is mashed up. And we, we were like, at the beginning, sure? like, are you sure? Like, it doesn't feel like that's going to work. And then when we heard it, it was like, oh, my God, it does work. Yeah. It's all about finding, you know, as Kojo was telling us, finding... Is it in a major or a minor key? And all the things that would make the song sit together, like he's so clever with his ear of listening to what would work. But I think it was actually remembering back the Tina Carroll one was when I... Yeah, you did. Oh, my God. Tina Carroll's our new new favourite. Being on Zoom with Tina Carroll, she is like just a diva queen, incredible, like just dream when you were saying about the legacy one thing i will look back on is me and dan are in so many different whatsapp groups with tina carroll and netta themselves which is amazing because it's fun because we get to see their costumes or they send us ideas about their song but i was thinking the other day like we've got so many messages going on at the same time that we probably will look back at this and go wasn't that whatsapp yeah. group weird <laughs> with those artists in where and it's great because i think it's always uh easier when you have direct contact with the artist their management obviously in the groups as well but it's it's easy because you get a, a dialogue where you absolutely know what they do like don't like do want to do exactly you can send an outfit reference straight to them for like their dancers and they get back to you and it's just an easier way of working because you get the best creative then because everyone is on the same mm-hmm. page and nothing's lost in translation now, just to let the listeners in on a secret, anyone could walk through that door at any moment and we have to bring this interview to an end. So we have to talk about Sam Ryder and we have to talk about the Liverpool Songbook very, very quickly. How nice is it for the pair of you to be back working again with Sam after everything that happened last year? Yeah, I mean, I've been working with Sam continuously anyway for the last every performance he's done over the last year um, I've directed and that's been incredible. But to see him come back to Eurovision and we he is doing something so special and has got such a um, significant social message. It's not actually about Sam. Yes, we've released 
that today. But the the context and the bigger picture of what Sam's going to be doing is so incredibly beautiful um, and so um, yeah important. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's going to yeah again leave everyone. Um, it's an amazing legacy to be leaving behind. And it was really nice actually because I remember when we showed the creative and the idea to. Oksana and Herman and they watched and they were just emotional afterwards which is exactly what we wanted them to feel because we never wanted it to be you know Sam was runner-up and yes he's the reason we're here but also we didn't want it to be that gratuitous as did Sam didn't either he didn't want it to feel like he's coming back and doing this you know talk about Sam so when they when we showed them that and they really bought into what Sam was bringing to the stage was really important for us that they were on board and said this is a really important message and it's just a really beautiful performance. I've tried not to I know, say I can't enough. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Liverpool songbook to finish. Then we've got an incredible cast of names involved in this. We've got Mahmoud, Cornelia Jacobs, Daddy, Duncan Lawrence, and Sonia, of course, as well. How did you come up with the names that you wanted to be part of this in the first place? Well, you know what? I think a lot of it came from listening to the songs and then going what artist would this fit with? That's sort of the easiest way, because obviously there's lots of artists we could have asked, but it's really important for me and Dan to get the artists that we think really registered in the last sort of five years, because as Dan said, it's about Eurovision now. So yes, we could have brought back some really old favourites, but I think we wanted to celebrate the artists that have gone on to have like real success within the fan base and outside of that as well. But um, in terms of Sonia, I always wanted Sonia in, and Dan will probably tell you all my effort <laughs> goes into Sonia. Like, that's a really nice one. The most we love time. Sonia. We all love Sonia. Hiya babes, it's me, Danny Beard, winner of RuPaul's Drag Race UK and Grinder Heartthrob. And I'm DJ Billy Andrew, queen of the clubland and personal bodyguard to Danny Beard. And together we host the Gossip Gaze podcast. We dish all the goss on the LGBTQ plus community, discuss the latest social sensations and gobble the finest treats in Snack of the Week. You can find us on all your podcast providers. Plus make sure you follow us on all socials for our highlights at Gossip Gaze Pod. Episodes are released every week. See See you there. there. Gossip Gaze. We disappeared for a second there while Dan and Lee moved meeting rooms in the joy that is the BBC Television Centre because it's a very busy place. There's a lot going on. Uh, guys, welcome back. It's nice to have Thank you. Thank you. We, we went from the EastEnders uh, meeting room to the Doctor Who one. <laughs> you get a meeting room, you have to know the TV shows because if, unless you recognise the pictures on the walls, you've had it. You haven't got a clue. Sometimes you book a meeting room and I don't know what the show is and then I'm thinking, is this... What, heroes? I don't know what the characters are. All our all our main Eurovision meetings happen in Hey Dougie. So there you go. <laughs> I wouldn't want anything other than Hey Dougie. That's perfect. Seems the perfect place for it. When we left, uh, Lee, I think we were talking about your love for Sonia. Um, and I don't think we did did that justice at all. Um, Sonia, of course, involved as, as part of the, the Liverpool Songbook, which is one of the intervals that we're going to see in the in the grand final. Who got in touch with Sonia to get her involved? Because presumably that was a very easy yes. She's sort of the most obvious choice that you want somewhere within the show. So we started talking about it because it's her 30th anniversary this year of Eurovision and she's from Liverpool. So, and I know that when they did the host city bids and Sonia was everywhere on sort of BBC news because she's a symbol of the city, even before Eurovision. Um, so for us, it was a no-brainer. And initially it was like, how can Sonia be involved in the shows? And then when the Liverpool songbook idea came up, it was just the most perfect place for her to go because she is Eurovision and she is Liverpool. 
And then for you, Dan, obviously working on the Liverpool songbook, the creator for this, again, must have been just so much fun thinking about the things that you could do with this. And the artists as well that were involved give you so many directions you can go in. And obviously this is all not knowing which songs you've chosen to be part of the songbook in the first place. Yeah, it's a really, it's a, I mean, it's a uh, really joy, joyous thing to create with. I mean, a we get to work with biggest names from Eurovision um, of recent years, which is really exciting. Like you say, every single one of them is different, and we get to hear their version of whatever song they're doing, um, which isn't necessarily what you'd expect to be with the songs that are on the list. So it's a lot of fun things to inspire different creatives, and of course, um, each one you want to have like a very strong individual look so they all feel different and we haven't kind of held back which because it's the grand final so there's lots of exciting things to um come yeah the, produ- the production values on the songbook are incredible it isn't just you know the artists coming on stage and, and singing their song there's a lot of production around all of the numbers and when we were talking about Sonia before there's a lot of throughout the shows whether it's a performance or the, or the scripts there's a lot of easter eggs for fans that you'll spot because I'm a fan and as Dan is a fan and you want to see those recognisable things that only fans will know. And for Sonia in her performance, there's a lot of nods to her performance from 93. I won't say any more than that, but just in the way that it looks and that it is. So you would only know if you remember that contest or you've watched that contest. So there's lots of nice little things that you can do in them. And I think the same as we were talking about with Tina before, there's lots, uh, because we're in touch with the artists, the creatives feel different. So it's it's good for us as well, because you, you know, maybe if it was just left to me and down, we might end up in a position where we create what we want to do because it all flows in a certain way. But because the artists come with their own vision of what they want to do and, you know, my mood came with a completely different vision of what we had on paper of what we wanted to achieve. But it's all the better for it because you're getting a performance that, they have seen and it's their vision of how they would present this song if you could just see a smile on my face i know what we're doing with netta and i'm just thinking about what she brought to the table and it's so brilliant guys it's been brilliant to talk to you about the shows and and everything that we're going to see actually on the stage but nerdy eurovision fans and i say that in the most endearing way possible because i am a nerdy eurovision fan would love to know more about i suppose things like the look the graphics the postcards these are all the other parts that that kind of come into it and Lee, I know for you, this is this is probably something close to your heart, something you've been working very, very hard on. So what have you hoped to do with, I suppose, the visual identity of the contest this year? I guess it's just, a, obviously, when we saw the theme art, which was uh, by a company called Super Union and Starlight Ukrainian Company, it felt like it was so bold. And I don't think we'd ever see a lot of the previous, when you look back at the, the logos, were all on sort of a blue background or a dark background it was the first sort of in your face logo that I can remember for a long time with the yellow background and the big heart so it already had quite a big bold identity and North House who are a graphics company so they're making our broadcast graphics and also our screen content as well who are amazing um they took that theme and we said we just want to do something bold and also it's important to us that we didn't want to we didn't want it to look like other Eurovisions have looked. And it, it comes back to what Dan said before. You want to leave your legacy. So you never want to copy something that's done before or make graphics that look like the graphics before. So we've always tried to push what we're doing or what what do we want it to look like. And that goes for, you know, the, the way that we introduced the songs before. And, and for me, I'm a, a flags fan. So for me, like flags, colours of flags are always important. And I 
I don't think the flags do disappear anymore, but I know there were years where they seemed to be used a lot less. So they've always been really important parts for me as the fun of the contest to make sure that those things are always are always in. So, yeah, it's really just like with everything, like you just want to create something unique and special that feels like it hasn't been done before. I remember when I saw the the graphics of Sweden 2016 and the way that the uh, the song titles animated out of the the end of the postcard and into the arena was just a clever thing that has now been used more than once. But I think all those things are just nice little touches you get. And they, they really do add to the entire viewing experience. And a lot of people at home might not even think about them, but the fact that you don't think about them is almost what we want it to be. It's just got to be this amazing package. And it, you know, those, Every show, you know, this well, in the grand final, there's 26 times you see those postcards and those graphics appear and whatever. It needs to be amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always trying to quit. There is actually, I'm not going to say what it is, but there's one big change that we've never mentioned yet. What's that? Well, I can't say now. I'll have to tell you afterwards. Let me um, write it down. Your computer. I'm going to write so down my computer. I'm going to show down. This is so bad, isn't it, Rob? Ray, hang on. Everyone listening to this, Lee has just shown Dan whatever the big change is. Dan, obviously, you remember, you remember now what the big change is. Of course I know what he's talking about. We just can't talk about can't it. Talk, there, but, there's no way we can talk about that at all. But yeah, what we wanted to do is just save loads of... Obviously, the, the, the main bulk of the shows is there for the, the performances, but there's lots of other little things you think, oh, I can't wait until people see that. That is a oh, moment. That's a moment. Yeah. I have to ask about the little surprises. That you've dropped in there for the for the Eurovision community. You're both Eurovision fans. You aren't going to tell me what any of them are, but you can at least allude to what some of them might be, hypothetically, of course. Well, there are lots of special guests that pop up through the shows. I'll put it that way. The Eurovision guests, and some of them are just big, sort of iconic Brits. It's one of those things that um, we actually done worked on the Olympics, but when all the things that I loved about the Olympics were those little things that remind you of why it's great to to live in this country and all the culture that we've got, like the Mr. Bean uh, playing the Chariots of Fire theme and all those little moments are so nice. And we've tried to think about where we can put those things in that probably will mean nothing to like everyone across Europe. But for those, you know, 20, 30 seconds, you get a moment of something that's completely British that we could only do because it only makes sense to us. And I like all those little moments that we can we can have in the show that you just sort of feel a warm feeling of, oh, there are some good things about this country. Great <laughs> things. Dan, Lee, thank you so much for chatting to us. It has been so brilliant to be able to go so in-depth with everything that people can expect from the shows this year at Eurovision 2023. You are going to be some very busy people for the next three weeks, as you have been for the last however many months. It's been brilliant to talk to you. Thank you for finding time to chat. And uh, hopefully... We'll have time to debrief all of this at some point as well. But but good luck for everything that's coming. And thank you on behalf of everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Like what you're hearing? Make sure to leave us a review and a rating whenever you're listening. So Dan Shipton and Lee Smithers, thank you very much. And Rob Lilly, I, should, I shouldn't forget you. You were integral in that conversation as well. <laughs> what a chat that was. So incredibly insightful. You wouldn't have heard any of that anywhere else. I feel like we've said it plenty of times before in our previous 99 regular weekly episodes, but I think that might be the favourite conversation that I've ever had for the Eurotrip podcast because of how much info we managed to get because of how loose-lipped 
Lee and Dan were. Honestly, I don't know about you, but I was surprised at how much they told us during this interview. They've not spoken to anyone else. This is an exclusive here on the Eurotrip podcast. So brilliant to have been able to bring you this conversation. And wow, they told us all sorts of stuff that we can look forward to. And they were so incredibly generous with their time. I know you were only meant to have them for a, a set amount of time and then they had to move rooms. And I don't know if you noticed uh, who was trying to get in the room after them, Rob, uh, but it was, in fact, the managing director of Eurovision this year, Martin Green, who needed that room after them. <laughs> yeah, so when I was sat on the Zoom call with uh, with Lee and Dan, I was clearly on one of those massive screens in the BBC, in one of the BBC meeting rooms. And yeah, you could see, or at least I could see in the background behind them, someone kind of peering through the glass door, wanting to get in the room as we were overrunning. Didn't realise it was Martin Green. How very funny. They should have just invited him along for the chat as well, see what we could have scooped up, for, <laughs> any scoops we could have got from him as well. <laughs> yeah, that would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? But so much in there. I mean, where do you even start? The big change, James. The big change to Eurovision 2023. I am very excited about that. I, I've got no idea what it is. You've got no idea. They didn't tell you off uh, off recording, did they? They didn't slip, slip you a little bit of knowledge, no? They didn't. Nothing. I'm being honest with you. Nothing. Let's talk about some of the performances as well. Obviously, we found out all about all of the performances we're going to see in the semi-finals and the grand final during that interview. Be who you want to be. What was it? The love letter to the Eurovision fans? Yeah. That sounds like it is going to be a treat. Doesn't it, Joss? I think they described it as what is our love, love, peace, peace going to be? You know, how how are we going to be able to to put a spin on on that and create this huge interval act that is going to be an ode to something? And it's going to be an ode to Eurovision fans. They're Eurovision fans. We are. We know you are listening. So we can all come together by the sounds of it when uh, when that's going to be in one of the semi-finals. Does it mean then, do you think? Now, me and you weren't at the London Eurovision party at the weekend. But if it is kind of an ode to the Eurovision fans, do you reckon that the massive pool of vomit from the London Eurovision party will make it into <laughs> the performance? Is there still time for them to slide that in? <laughs> God, I hope not. I, in a way, I'm kind of glad I wasn't at the London Eurovision party after hearing about that. Oh, where else should we go with this, though? The Liverpool Songbook with some of our favourite Eurovision artists from recent years, including, of course, uh, Lee's love of Sonia. That came across pretty clearly. It sounds like that's the only thing he's been working on since about September, is just securing Sonia and making sure she's got a place in the grand final. Yeah, he's not head of show, he's head of Sonia. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it's going to be incredible. So many of our favourite Eurovision performers, Mahmoud, Daddy Frere. I mean, I think I've, I've forgotten about another 100 from that, haven't I, surely? Cornelia, Netta, there's so many other Eurovision greatest hits performers performing across all of the live shows. We're just in for such a treat. And speaking of performers, semi-final one, Rita Ora is going to be a, a semi-final interval act. Sounds like there's going to be a, forgive me, I forget the phrase that Lee used, but a a big name performing alongside her as well. Yeah, excited about that. Some British icons, I think is how they were described, popping up throughout the shows as well. So fascinated to see who they're going to be. And also some Easter eggs for the fans in there, which we always love to see. So we've gone through some of our highlights from that chat. Surely you've got some of your highlights as well. We'd love to hear what you thought about Rob's chat with Lee and Dan. Do get in touch at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can see some behind the scenes videos as well uh, on TikTok. We are at Eurotrip Podcast there. And hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email for any of your longer thoughts as well. And James, my favourite part of the whole thing, Eurovision 2023, clearly fuelled by Rosé Wine. 
<laughs> Clearly, a lot of the good ideas came from that one afternoon drinking rosé wine in Dan's office. You know, they should have had like a behind the scenes camera crew filming this whole journey. So we're going to see these ideas from the very start to how they're going to look on uh, on screen and stage. Yeah, like a feature length video on the BBC Eurovision YouTube channel or something where we just get to see at length those two getting steadily drunker with the whiteboard and all of the ideas and how the whole show came together. I, for one, would definitely love to see that. I mean, I don't know about you, James, but I reckon I reckon we should leave it there. But I think we all need to go have a bit of a debrief about everything we've just heard. And yeah, look ahead to the contest in just a few weeks' time and a contest that we now know significantly more about than before the start of this episode. Yeah, indeed we do. Not long to go until Eurovision in Liverpool. A matter of weeks, a matter of days, in fact... And we now know that me and you will be on the ground every single day of Eurovision Week. Daily episodes coming your way from Liverpool, but a couple more regular Wednesday episodes on the way between now and then. Yes, so we will be back with you in seven days' time for your next regular episode of the Eurotrip, episode 101 or 180 or something anyway we'll be back with you next Wednesday for your brand new episode of the Eurotrip uh, you can keep in touch with us until then of course we are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter Instagram and TikTok hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email and we said before you can read more in depth about our exclusive stories that we uncovered from today's chat on EurotripPodcast.com and as well make sure you subscribe leave us a review and rate us five stars from me James it's goodbye and from me Rob it's goodbye If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.